0: Hello and welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and we are back with part two of our newborn series. I have Brittany Vogel with me. Hello, Brittany. Hi, Martha. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you. So last week we covered Mm -hmm. a lot so i am gonna say if you have not listened to last week's Mm -hmm. stop we'll wait backtrack backtrack we'll be here download last week's episode because you missed a lot um pretty much like some really really important (laughs) newborn stuff uh so go listen to that we'll be here when you get back Hey, welcome back.
1: So happy to have you. <laughs>
0: um, wonderful. Just for, even though they just heard it, mm-hmm. but just for listeners who maybe listened last week and then they're sure. back this week, let's have a quick
1: recap of your
0: background. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I've been in the childcare world for most of my life. Uh, again, my name is Brittany. I grew up in the Chicagoland suburbs. Um, and I grew up where my mother and my grandmother ran a daycare center. I started babysitting basically as soon as i could and then i've been nannying professionally in the city for like six almost seven years now
0: that's great yep um and most of your professional nanny experience has been
1: with little teeny babies it has teeny tiny peanuts i love them which (laughs) is
0: so great and it is so funny how um, we were talking about last episode how it does seem like certain nannies get certain ages. Mm-hmm. For example, I've almost exclusively been with families from, like, two to four.
1: Or at least one of the kids. And isn't it so funny? It's almost like we don't pick it. It's almost like the families pick it for us. Because I never set out to be a newborn nanny or to have my specialty be in young kids. But I just kind of ended up finding myself wanting to be with a child from kind of a young age. So I would always look for families who, you know, the kid was between three and six months. Mm -hmm. You know, as the mom was just starting to go back to work or the dads or whatever it might be and um and then i usually ended up leaving before their 18 month anniversary which was just kind of particular and you know it didn't always happen at my choice but it was just one of those things that just kept on happening and then I just kind of restarted back over with a three-month-old and then all of a sudden I'm like wow I know a lot about newborns (laughs) yeah yeah I bet you do six years of experience
0: that's a lot um well great well let's let's dig into some of that knowledge absolutely okay bottles (laughs) talk to me about them
1: well bottles are so particular because you come from two different sex you come from parents who are primarily breastfeeding until they bring in a nanny Mm -hmm. and then you have parents who are maybe doing both and then you have parents who are almost exclusively bottle feeding Um, so I think once again as we were talking about in the last episode communication is so important just so that way you can make sure that you are on the same page as your nanny family But I think um, as with a lot with newborns patience is key and I think it's about a little bit of trial and error just finding um, I feel like a position is what is kind of almost always the crux of things. I feel like there's so many different types of bottles out there right now. Uh Oh do you have the angled ones or the ones with the bubbles in it or the ones that (laughs) you know whatever. Um, I feel like more often than not it's about finding how is the baby comfortable being fed. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a child who's primarily breastfed it's probably going to be a lot closer and tighter to your body. Whereas if a child really isn't very exclusively breastfed sometimes they want more space as they are feeding and all that. Um, But I do think it's important to um, just kind of give the baby the time to kind of show you what they like um, and for me I think as you're working with newborns don't be afraid to pause the feeding. Okay. You know they don't have to slurp everything all down at once and honestly oftentimes it's bad for them to do so. Yeah. Um, Of course check in with your parents and see you know certain formulas maybe can only be made 24 hours in advance or you know they want it to be used within 15 minutes or whatever it might be but um taking a break and just saying okay you don't have to finish it all now let's burp you let's maybe have you spit up a little bit Mm -hmm. or you know whatever it might be and then we'll get back into it you know I think it's about um just kind of putting the brakes on things sometimes because mm-hmm. um, either one of two things is going to happen. Either the kid is going to get burnt out and it's going to spit up or it's going to fight you on the bottle. Right. So I think that if you could just say like, cool, let's do, you know, an ounce of feeding and mm-hmm. then take a five minute breather and then we'll do another ounce. Um, I... I tend to find that I have the most success with doing that um, for non spit up babies (laughs) and for babies that don't have a lot of, um, you know, acid reflux and gas and things like that. So I think give them an ounce, see how they feel, and then go back into it. You'll also find that babies, some babies are hungrier than others. Some Mm -hmm. babies love to eat and will eat as much as possible. But I think um, by and large, by the time that most nannies are starting your parents and your nanny family should have a good idea of what kind of eater you have in front of you right Um, I do think you know if you're thinking back on our previous episode with the sleep training I do think um, bottle training is very very similar where it's just about saying okay about this time you get hungry so about this time we're going to do a bottle um, and just kind of structure it into there your first month or so You might not have a structure and you might just say, we're just going to try it and let's see when you eat. Just the same with the sleep training. Keep that record. Keep that log. Say, okay, they ate one and a quarter ounces at this time. And they ate three ounces here and whatever it might be. And then you can kind of condense them down and say, okay, well, they ate four ounces in the 11 o'clock hour. So why right. don't we try to have a feeding about then? And then you can just kind of start to bring a little bit of that routine, bring in a little bit of that structure, and the kids oftentimes will kind of just fall in line with it.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and then uh, how do you heat up a bottle properly? I mean, I know there's a ton of different Oh god, there's types. so many ways.
1: Um honestly, it kind of depends uh if a f- if a child is going to be exclusively formula fed, mm-hmm. I kind of like to talk to the parents if they haven't already about uh, actually not heating up the bottle. Okay. Um because if the child is going to be exclusively formula fed, they're never going to get the warm milk from a breast, so they don't really need to know that milk is warm. Pretty much children only don't like warm formula, or I'm sorry, don't like cold formula if they're not used to the warmth of the milk. Okay. So if you have a parent who has chosen not to breastfeed, or you have, um, I've worked with adoptive families before, families of the same sex, um, who are are not able to breastfeed I would say I like to make a pitcher of formula um you know first thing in the morning and that lasts me throughout the day okay because most formulas do last about 24 hours before you have to dunk them um so I think putting a bottle in the fridge and pulling it out is not a bad thing okay um but for me what I tend to like to do is get a tiny pot boil the water and then turn it off once the, um, Water is not kind of coming up to the top anymore once it's not simmering. Just stick the bottle in there for, it depends on how many ounces there are, but maybe about five minutes, test it on your wrist, and then go from there. I always think it's better to go slightly colder rather than warmer uh, for multiple reasons. You don't want the baby to burn themselves, but same idea with the formula feeding. It's okay to get children used to drinking cooler temperature liquids because more sooner than later they're going to start drinking milk out of the fridge they're going to start drinking water out of the fridge perhaps juice if your family is into that Um, and those things are always going to be cold so I think it's okay to say like okay we're going to start to worry less and less and less about what the temperature is going to be. Especially if your mother is going back to uh, work full-time, she will probably at some point not be able to pump as much anymore, so the milk supply is going to drop off anyway. So I always think it's better to err on the cool side than thinking about being too hot. Um, I do love families that get the bottle warmer for you. Uh Those are so easy where you just put it in and press a button and it'll warm (laughs) it to the perfect temperature. But uh, in a pinch, if you don't have that either uh, on the stovetop or even in the microwave, like if you can get a big bowl, just kind of heat it up in water that is warmer than the milk around. It. Okay. That makes total sense. And that that is how I've done it
0: in the past yeah. um, on the stovetop. But I was curious if there were other methods. And that
1: bottle genie sounds amazing. Oh, my God. I had a family that used it once and it was just glorious <laughs> because – And I don't know how, but it heated it to the perfect temperature so fast. It was like 60 seconds. I was like, chill out, baby. We got this. (laughs) Press the button. And it was like perfectly warm. Um, So the only thing is the routine is going to help you as a nanny because you can say like, cool, well, I'm going to start heating the pot of water so I don't have to constantly be having a bottle warm because pretty much once the milk is warm, you can't ever bring it back down to room temperature or cold. And put it back in the fridge. Um, so it's nice to be able to say like, well, I know she wants to have her bottle at 11. So I'm going to start heating up water at 1045 and turn it off so I can stick the, you know, milk in there or whatever it might be. Um so routine, routine, routine. I'm all about the routines. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, we've talked about with absolutely um, older kids as well. Mm-hmm. Um, routines just for
1: children and for human beings. For
0: humans, <laughs> right? I just, it's one of those I things. I need a routine. I think
1: it's, and I think when we say routine, we don't mean schedule. We don't mean at 11 o'clock you're going here and then at 12 o'clock you're going here and, you know, rigid, rigid, rigid. Like, no, no, of course not. But just saying, like, we. Have these expectations. We expect you to have lunch at the same time. We expect you to have the bottle at the same time. If it's 15 minutes later or 15 minutes earlier, it's not going to harm anybody. right? But just saying like, hey, we're just starting to kind of build this routine, build these expectations, build these little moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just makes everyone's day, the child's day, your day, the parent's day, everyone's day instantly becomes easier once you kind of know like, well, this is what we do. Right. Yes, I completely agree. And I love the idea,
0: um, which you talked about in the last episode, but then also in this one, um, of basing that routine off – the baby, um, Mm -hmm. like just kind of holding back for a month and observing. Absolutely. Like what are their natural rhythms? Because
1: I find, um, kind of I find the magic age tends to be about four months. Okay. It's when a child really kind of starts to solidify. Mm -hmm. They solidify in their personality. They solidify in their routine. They solidify in their likes and their dislikes. A little bit. I mean, of course, they will always change again. But I feel like that's the first time that you really kind of get a glimpse of like, okay, who is this child going to be? Right. So if you are starting as a newborn nanny at two and a half or three months, you still have a whole nother month of them kind of just getting used to the world around them. Right. And that's why I think the logbook is so helpful. as you can just like look back on the last month and say, wow, she's fallen asleep at 11.30, nine times out of ten mm-hmm. for the past month. Cool, let's put a nap at 11.30. Um, and you could just kind of find those little nuances. Because when you're in the day-to-day, you may never realize it, you know. Right? But if you sit down and if you look at it kind of on a piece of paper or on an app or however you record it and just say, wow, look at all these similarities. Babies naturally want a routine. Yes. They really, really do. They naturally like that structure. And if you can just help them find a little bit of that structure, it just makes everyone's day just that much easier.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And as they get older, uh, you start transitioning into food, Mm -hmm. off of bottles, into more solid foods, or squishy foods and then solid foods. Um, What ages have you found is good to start that, I'm sure the nanny family will tell Mm -hmm. you when they want to start it. Not always. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I'll,
1: uh, you know, be like, have we start can we like start solid foods soup? <laughs> can that be a thing? Um I tend to find five or six months is good for like the very, very first squishy foods. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of discussion about which are the first foods that are best to introduce. Mm-hmm. Um I tend to find avocado. Is a really, really good Mm -hmm. firstie for a couple of reasons. For one, it does have a little bit of natural sweetness, but it is mostly savory. And sometimes when you start a child on a fruit rather than a vegetable, Uh sometimes their palate immediately refines into sugars. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that if you can start with a sugary vegetable Mm -hmm. like avocado, like carrot, like squash, something that. sweet potato? Sweet potato, absolutely. So something that has a little bit of natural sugar but isn't necessarily sweet. I find that that kind of helps with their palate a little bit so they're not so, so drawn to the sweetness. Even if you are going to start with a fruit, start with a banana, start with an um, applesauce, start with something like that, that's fine. But don't be afraid to also introduce vegetables soon. Don't yes. stick with just fruits because they're easy. Of course it's easy to to give kid a mango or a blueberry puree or strawberry puree or whatever they might want. Of course, they're going to want those sugars. But if you are only giving your child that, once again, the things that you start them on when they're young, that's the expectations as they grow. So if you can help it, I like to say start with a quote unquote sweeter vegetable and then grow into all those other things.
0: Um, Which also, uh, for the avocado, mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. And please, disclaimer, I do not know the science behind this. However, because I have Mm -hmm. uh, allergies Mm -hmm. to tree nuts, um, I know that avocado and mango are both related to almonds. And so I would think that starting them on that
1: Early would help
0: their bodies not become allergic to it. And that's
1: what a lot of the science is showing. Um, there have, and with anything parenting, with anything baby related, I feel like there's so many cross conflicting studies yes. and things like that. <laughs> However, I do find that the more exposure that children get at a young age, the better off they are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many nut allergies out there in the world right now. And um, A lot of studies have shown that uh, the avoidance of those foods actually perpetuates those allergies. So I do find that, of course, be mindful. Be mindful of where things come from, of what might react to it. As um, a newborn nanny or as a newborn parent in general, you need to be looking out for those things. You know, something as simple as a carrot, you you know, so few people have an allergy to it, but who knows? Um, So you need to be looking out for those things anyway. Um, I don't think it benefits, personally, I don't think it benefits parents and nannies to hold back on the foods just because... An allergy may may happen. Um, I think it is better to anticipate that there are no allergies Mm -hmm. and see what happens rather than avoid those foods entirely and then perhaps an allergy develops because the body isn't used to it. Right. I think, um, think on lactose. Humans are actually not made to digest lactose. The reason that we can digest lactose is because we eat a lot of lactose. <laughs> um, we have a lot of cheese. We have a lot of dairy. And so our bodies naturally adapt to that. Even right. though if we stopped eating it, our ba- our bodies would, you know, go back to its natural state where that would give us a tummy ache and make us not feel so good. Um I feel like it's the same idea with a lot of those, uh, you know, nut-based, the mangoes, the avocados, the um, peaches, peaches, the apricots, like all those things Mm -hmm. that could potentially trigger a nut allergy or whatever it might be. I think it's better, let's do those things in small doses Mm -hmm. and see how our body reacts. Of course, if the child is breaking out in hives or things like that stop giving the child that food and right. tell the parents and maybe we avoid those foods for a little while and try it again in a month or two. Mm-hmm. But I think to avoid those foods outright just because an allergy may occur I feel like at the end of the day you do the child a disservice. I completely agree and as someone with allergies mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah <laughs> I mean you always need to be aware whether it's Uh, what they're drinking or what they're eating or whatever of course be aware as a nanny be aware as a parent see what's going on with your child are their poops different are there uh are they on a weird different schedule are they crying more than usual whatever it might be Mm -hmm. all of those things point to those things uh potential allergies or not feeling well or whatever it might be but let the child's body dictate that not your fears yes completely agree.
0: Um, So after you've introduced those soft foods Mm -hmm. when do you transition to more even more solid? Um,
1: I find when their teeth are ready for it. Okay. Um, Children who uh, teeth very early I find are ready to start tearing at foods Um, and you're really looking for I find the first four. So the two that are right in the center on both the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. Because their molars are not going to come in even – Even if they, um, you know, I was a child who got my 10-year-old molars at (laughs) 6. So I teethed very early. Um, So even if your child is not doing that, even if they're not developing, those first four, they can pretty much start to at least tear at things. Things still have to be soft. They still have to be swallowable and not be in a choking state. Um, But I find that pretty much as soon as those first four teeth, and maybe just as those back ones are starting to peek out, that's when they can really start kind of focusing on like, what is it like to chew? And I find that you still don't want to do bits. Mm-hmm. Like full, uh, like I'm, I'm like holding my fingers up because you all can see <laughs> that. No, can see. <laughs> yes. No, like, you know, you don't want to do like square bits, like a right. square piece of corn or peas or you don't want to leave anything whole Mm -hmm. but just slightly chunkier baby food I feel like that's why it's good um, especially as a nanny as you have downtime um, don't be afraid to suggest making baby food for your nanny family Um, it's very very easy in a blender uh, or even just with a potato masher whatever you might need to do But I think leaving the foods slightly chunkier. So say, okay, I just don't blend this down to a puree. It's more of a mash. Mm -hmm. You know, so that way they can just start to feel, what do these textures feel like in my mouth? What does it feel like to maybe chew on this a little bit? And I find that that's a good medium step in between rather than going straight from all purees into, okay, I need to chew this to get it down my throat. You know, start to play with those textures a little bit. Um, I also find as silly as it sounds, bread is a really nice thing to do because you can hand a child a heel of bread that they can kind of just suck on Mm -hmm. almost a little bit just to kind of, once again, what does this feel like in my mouth? Yeah. Um, There's many, many different schools of thought as to okay, well, how do I know when to introduce a new food? How do I know when to do this? My personal philosophy and what I find has worked best for me in the past is as long as a child hasn't shown an allergy or a uh, intolerance or whatever, feel free to keep piling on new foods. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that really, I know they like to say once a week add a new food. I find 48 hours is about enough to know whether or not a child is going to have an allergy to something. Okay, yeah. So that checks at, out with my knowledge yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> at least about once a week, a new food should be added on. And don't be afraid to start with, to play with those textures. You're gonna be close at hand don't be going to clean dishes while your, right. you know child is still eating or whatever it might be stay close at hand of course like if they're having trouble chewing something but I find that eating a meal as your nanny child is also eating a meal kind of helps show them like hey look we put this on the fork and we put it in our mouths and we chew a little bit and we do this this and this they kind of pick up on the idea and they yeah. kind of like are oh I get that you know so don't even if you're I mean not really gonna eat the food that's in front of you of course you're gonna be mostly focused on a child but just every once in a while be like oh look at this soup I'm putting it in my mouth or whatever it might be just so that they get the experience of what the end goal is yeah (laughs) no that's really great
0: advice um And we talked about as their teeth come in, Mm -hmm. so let's uh, segue into teething for a sec.
1: Teething (laughs) is the bane of my existence, I I feel, because I feel like every time a tooth has come in, it's like a week, and then all of a sudden another one emerges. Um, Teething is tough, yeah, because once again, a child is only as aware of its environment, and when you add something in, like a tooth, it just throws them (laughs) off. And Especially because it's painful. Oh, it's painful. And they're like, what's going on with my body? My body's changing. It's like the first puberty. Yeah. You know? um, and I think, for one, patience. Mm-hmm. And just waiting with them <laughs> and just saying, I know it doesn't feel so good. They're going to be really drooly, have lots of bibs on hand. Don't be afraid to just let them run around with a bib on all day just to catch some of that residual <laughs> Drool. Um, and I think a, a lot of it you're going to have to default to the parents. Do mm-hmm. they want to do natural remedies? Are they okay with doing a little bit of medicine when the child is teething? But I find um, a cold washcloth mm-hmm. and genuinely like an like a ice cold, as cold as you can get it, um, washcloth tends to be the best just because they will get a little satisfaction with the water coming off of it. Yeah. So they will get a little satisfaction to keep it in their mouth. And the cold, of course, feels very, very good on your gums. So I find that especially if you're either maxed out on medicine or the parents don't want to do medicine, the uh, cold washcloth is just really, really going to help because they'll be able to hold on to it. They'll be able to suck it. The cold is going to help kind of numb their gums a little bit and help keep it nice and nice and cold and cool and feeling good in their mouth and the little bit of satisfaction that they get with the water going down their throat and into their mouth will kind of help keep them hooked because for me the biggest struggle has been you know those little teething toys that you put in the freezer yeah. like they might work good for a minute or two but then the kids don't want to keep them in their mouths right and they're like oh but this will help you feel good. So I find that even though it's not, you know, a big payoff for us, the fact that they're getting a little bit of that kind of payoff, a little bit of the satisfaction of the water on the washcloth actually in their mouth, I I personally find that they're a little bit more incentivized to keep it in their mouth and kind of keep that numbing action going on.
0: I would also think just the squishy nature of it. Mm-hmm. of Because those teething toys are hard. Ugh. And, and I understand that they need to be, but
1: it, I I don't want to bite down on no. that when my mouth hurts. And I will say that they um, they are starting to put out ones now that stay a little bit more malleable. Mm-hmm. Throughout, they stay a little bit more squishy texture. But we're talking about the ones that are almost like an ice cube coming yes. out of the freezer. The kids are never going to want to keep that in their mouth. You yeah. know, Because they, they get no satisfaction out of it. Right. You know, kids... They want something out of what they're doing. Whether it's a toy. Whether it's you. Whether it is. Whatever it is. They want something out of the activity that they're going to do. Yeah. And those super, super frozen teething toys are not going to give them anything. Right. Even if it makes their teeth feel better, they're not going to realize it makes their teeth feel better because they're getting nothing out of it. So I find that the super, super cold washcloth, even if you like kind of wet a couple and keep them in the fridge, which is what I like to do, ring them out super good so right. that they're not like dripping everywhere. <laughs> There's enough moisture with their mouth. You don't need to add any extra. Ring them out really good. But just that little bit helps
0: Do you keep so them much.
1: in the fridge or the freezer? I keep them in the fridge because okay. they will freeze solid. Right. So if you're going to keep them in the freezer, which is totally Possible, just make sure you let them sit for like maybe 10 or 15 minutes, depending on the size of the washcloth, just so that way it's not like you're not handing the child like a brick, <laughs> a frozen skin. towel. Yeah, there you go, kid. Um, <laughs> do something with it. Yeah, exactly. I do find if you keep them in the back of the fridge, like the very, mm-hmm. very back where the closest like cooling and like element a Tupperware? is in a Tupperware, a little bit of water, you know what I mean? It doesn't need a ton yeah. because you're gonna wring most of it out anyway, but just enough to keep it warm, um, keep it moist, mm-hmm. and then the back back of the fridge will help keep it cool bring it out have them pop it in their mouth wash it and then just have a stack of maybe five or six of them throughout the day honestly I feel like teething it's a lot of distraction techniques yeah it's about saying okay cool what can we do for the next five minutes you know (laughs) you just look for the (laughs) the forward in five minute intervals which is fine um and it's just about okay how can we distract you for the next five minutes um And I feel like that is the best way to get through teething. I know it's so tempting to when a child isn't feeling well to stay indoors. Mm -hmm. Because of course when I'm not feeling well I just want to crawl up on the couch and just be in a blanket whatever. If a child is not sick. Sometimes being outside can be a really good distraction. Sometimes they just need to take their mind off of it. If you take them to the park, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe their teeth might throb a little bit, but the fun of being at the park will kind of distract from that and take the crying away. (laughs) Which is what we as nannies (laughs) and people who are dealing with them all day long, (laughs) we need that. So don't be afraid to stick to your routine a little bit. Say, well, we usually go to playtime at the at the park or playtime at the zoo or the library or whatever it might be, stick to that. Yeah. Of course, stay close to the kid. If they're miserable, you might have to stick them back in the stroller or back in the car seat and go home. But don't be afraid to stick to your schedule as much as possible. As long as the child isn't running a fever, as long as they're not contagious, as long as they're not harming anybody, sometimes it might benefit them in the long run to just say, like, we're just going to do what we usually do, even though you're teething. Right, right.
0: And, man, you're just hitting it perfectly (laughs) from one thing to the next because the next thing I wanted to ask you about was car seats. Mm. And just give me your knowledge on car seats.
1: Okay, I will say, if you're in a major metropolitan area, like we are here in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and even if you're not – The majority of children's hospitals will actually check your car seats for you. Which is amazing. Yes. Uh, For us here in Chicago, you go to Lurie Children's Hospital. They have a branch on um, Clark Street Mm -hmm. where you can go. They will check your car seat. They'll make sure it's tight enough. They'll make sure it's positioned in the right way. All of those things. Go take advantage of that absolutely free service. Um, Especially for somebody like me who I don't have kids full time. I take the car seats out every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I try to keep them in most often just because that makes things easier. But if you have to take it out, just go take it back. They'll adjust it again for you. It's so easy. It's a free service. If you have a hospital or a fire station or anything like that around you that offers that service, I absolutely recommend you take advantage of it. By and large, car seats, I find, are so dependent on the child. Right. Um, number one, you need to keep major car seat safety in mind, uh, especially uh, right now. I don't know when you, listener, are listening to this, but right now in Chicago, it's very chilly. And it's really important that you do not keep children in a coat, while right. they're in the car seat. The puffy coats. It is, those so, so big puffy coats are so good for them because they stay so warm and so cozy But can they actually be a really big danger for kids yeah. while they're in the car seat. And especially as nannies, you might not know that. So please take your children out of those big puffy coats. I always ask my nanny families if they're willing to buy a blanket cover for Mm -hmm. the car seats which are so nice. It's essentially a liner that fits right into the car seat. The straps go through it. You basically zip the baby up. You can pretty much zip them up to their eyeballs (laughs) Um, but it's nice because it keeps them warm and they don't need to have an actual winter coat on them which is really really nice because once again you don't want to be having that super super heavy coat on right um, in the winter time because they will
0: slip out of it if you do get into a car crash and there Mm -hmm. is that forward momentum the likelihood that they will slip out of that coat Mm -hmm. is very high Um, even if the straps are very tight Because of the puffy nature of that coat, absolutely, they can slip out of
1: it. Because here's the kind of crazy thing about car seats is car seats are are just as effective as a Mm seatbelt as long as you use them properly. Right. And as sometimes we as adults don't use our seatbelts properly and that makes it, you know, if we put the strap behind us or if we're kind of tucking our arm a different way, that affects the effectiveness of that. Seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Same thing with children's uh, car seats. So it's really, really important to make sure that the uh, the buckle on the top is directly across their sternum. It's not kind of where you would think their natural heart is, like where, um, excuse the phrase, the nipples are. You don't yeah, want but it that the nipple low, Yeah. And you don't want it all the way up to their chin. You basically want it straight in the center, basically right over where their sternum is. I'm doing all these visuals. <laughs> Martha's watching me do it. And I know you guys can't see it, but I hope you can visualize it.
0: Yes. And so, I will probably include a visual aid. Perfect. On chronicles of Nannia.com. I do episode resources for things that w- benefit by having more um, so check there I will
1: put a visual aid of where mm-hmm. how to properly put a kid in a car seat yeah so you want that um, kind of top buckle to be across their sternum and then to be pretty much as tight as possible you know of it's course like you, the two finger mm-hmm, test. you don't you don't want to um, have a baby struggle with breathing or struggle with moving you want them to have a slight bit of movement, but it should be movement from their shoulders, not from their torso and their chest. Um, You know, you just basically want to think, if I was riding a roller coaster, would I be comfortable with this level of security? (laughs) If the answer is yes, then you're probably in a good place. Because a car basically is a roller coaster for a baby. They are so small and so teeny, it's really, really important to strap them in good um, because it is for their safety. Yes. Thank
0: you so much. That was very helpful. Yeah. Um and do visit Chronicles of nania.com dot, dot because I will put something up uh some visual aids for that. Um Awesome. Okay. So baby sign language. Mm-hmm. They can't talk.
1: They cannot usually. Isn't that
0: crazy? I mean, <laughs> maybe some can. Um but most cannot. So a method that has been developed mm-hmm. is
1: baby sign language. And I am a big, big advocate for baby sign language um, for so many reasons, but for one for communication, mm-hmm. um, and for two for a really good bond between you and the child. Yeah. Um, I find the easiest way to incorporate baby sign language is figure out what do you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to find the easiest signs are for food, mm-hmm. for milk, for tired or nap or sleep or whatever you want to say, for diaper, mm-hmm. for more. And then, you know, you can always kind of get into… And for all done. Oh, all done, yes. Yeah, that one is, is. so good. Um, and then kind of those six, I find it are good base. Mm-hmm. And then you can always add on. You can do book, you can do song, you can do dog, you can do… Just there's a million out there but I find that those six those kind of core needs what are my needs those are the most helpful and I find that the best way to kind of incorporate that into your child's every day into into the day of your um, routine or whatever it might be is to just start using them Mm -hmm. as I say do you want more food I do the signs Um, some babies pick on it quicker than others yeah Um, I have babies who have picked up on it at six months old and are signing what they want and have no words I've had babies who it's taken them to like 10 months and who are even starting to say words but then they find that oh I can do the signs with the words and it makes the words easier right so with a lot of the newborn stuff (laughs) be patient and don't give up right even if you say oh my god she's clearly has no idea what I'm talking about she is not picking up on the baby sign language she is You're she right. really is you know it just kind of depends on the child's learning style on who they are some babies will pick on up on it so early and just like blow your mind with how well they're doing with baby sign language and some stuff comes it's like what You've been paying attention to that? You know what I'm talking about this whole time? This whole time? (laughs) You've been lying to me. Um, So I think it's just important to say whenever you personally say that word, do the sign along with it. Yeah. Yeah. And as you get to a point where you can tell the child kind of understands, but maybe isn't doing it, don't be afraid to, and I hate to, to say this, but like, Um, it is a little bit like a puppy. Don't be afraid to withhold a little bit. Right. To say like, this is the desired result I want. When you give me the result I want, I will give you what you want. Yeah, immediate reward. Exactly. So, you know, do you want more food? you know, you'll do the sign for more, which is touching your um fingers together. And again, I will put this on chroniclesofnania.com. <laughs> and then food, which is basically that same finger going right to your mouth and saying food. Um, do you want more food? And if the child really isn't giving you anything, then you don't give them more food. And if the child really wants more food, then they'll, they'll go, figure it yes, out. I want more <laughs> food. And they'll start to do those signs. So don't be afraid to, if you are noticing that the child is kind of starting to pick up, they're kind of starting to observe more, don't be afraid to kind of say like, okay, I'm going to hold back until you say you want more milk. You know, please, thank you. You know, all those little things, um, they'll start to add up over time. And like I said, some kids will pick up on it so fast. Some kids, it'll be six months and they're like throwing so many signs at you. (laughs) And all of a sudden you'll go, oh my God, I need to learn more signs so that you can keep keep communicating with me. Right. Um, But I also tend to find the kids who sign early start to talk early. Right. And the kids who start to sign later maybe start to talk later um and i think that also just goes to show you you will always learn about the child if you're willing to be patient with them so don't be afraid to be patient every single time you say whatever the sign is just sign it even if you think nothing is going to come of it you might have a child who never signs back to you but i think it's always better to start it and see rather than saying well Let's just give up because clearly they don't get it. Right. And I know that we are in Chicago.
0: Mm-hmm. And so this might be um, like false positives. But I feel like just working in the children's community in Chicago, most child care providers and children mm-hmm.
1: know A little baby sign language. I completely agree. And once again, like we're in a huge, huge metropolitan area. Um, But I find that baby sign language has become so much more common than it was even when I was starting in this industry, like full time, even Mm -hmm. four or five years ago. Right. um, Baby sign language has kind of, I used to be in the rare that I used to do baby sign language. And now it's pretty much almost an expected thing. So don't be afraid to kind of learn. You don't need a lot. Right, You can know under 10 signs and be in a fine place. You can be able to communicate with the child fine. You know, the more, the food, the milk, the diaper, the sleep, the all done. You know, all those types of things. If you kind of have those basic core, these are the needs that the child has, start with those. If the child excels with it, add more on. You know, all those little things. But I always... My personal philosophy is it's better to do it and have nothing come of it than to be pulling my hair out because, oh, my God, I wish you could just talk to me. I wish you could just tell me what was wrong. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it also is a fun little thing that I have found between nannies Mm -hmm. of sometimes even um, when Jennifer was on, she was talking about how her roommate would Mm -hmm. say like – I don't like that. Please stop touching me Mm -hmm. when he was drunk. Um, I do find that like even nannies will be like, I'm all done Mm -hmm. and just do it naturally. Oh my God. And it's like a
1: sign of a nanny. I'm like, oh, you're a nanny. Well, and isn't it so funny too? Because for me, you know, my nanny child has been speaking fairly well for about six months now. Mm -hmm. But I still, when when I ask her, are you all done? Mm -hmm. Like that's just what your hands naturally go to. And when you guys see the, the post that Martha is going to post about the baby sign language. You guys will see what I'm talking about. But yeah, it's just kind of like this natural like, okay, all done. Like, right. Goodbye. <laughs> yep.
0: Um, and then another thing to expand on that with your older kids. Mm-hmm. So growing up, my um, stepdad, uh, who is wonderful, he um, – it's fluent in sign language. And
1: um, that's amazing. I'm so jealous. Teach me everything. Right? I know. It's, it's, that's one of those it's things. So cool. If I cool. was ever going to go back to school, I think I would do ASL interpreter because, for one, it's a very good paying job if yes. you're thinking about <laughs> it um, because it's very, very rare to have mm-hmm. it. But I just think it's such a cool way to communicate. And it's one of those things that I think as hearing people or speaking people, um, you know, people who are not disabled, like you, Completely kind of take advantage of the fact that you don't have to think about it. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, but he would, if we had to wait in a long line Mm -hmm. at the grocery store, I remember he used this at like amusement parks, Mm -hmm. things like that. If we ever had to wait in a long line, he would teach me sign language and it makes the time go so fast and he would just let me do it. And I do it with my nanny kids Mm -hmm. now of if we have to, if we're stuck, even just picking up their mom from the train Mm -hmm. when we're sitting in the car for like 10 minutes because I hate being late. (laughs) Um, I feel you. And so if we're sitting in the car, I'll be like, what signs do you guys want to learn? Or like, let's go through the alphabet. Things like that.
1: I love that. And there are some discrepancies between American Sign Language and And Baby baby Sign sign Language. language. For sure. So I think it's, even if you are going to do uh, American Sign Language, that's fine. I think just make your nanny parents aware of by the way we're we're starting to learn this sign this is what it is this is what it means whatever it might be but I think that's great I think it's just about saying like whether it's sign language or learning a second language whether you're you know teaching your child Spanish or Russian or Polish or whatever you know Mm -hmm. maybe second language you speak I think it's just about saying, like, how can we make this fun? Yeah. How can we make this a game? How can we make this something that's just what we do? Um, So I love that. I love that. Kind of like, okay, well, we have a little bit of time, so what can we learn today?
0: Yeah. And one more technique on the subject of sign language, and maybe we will even do a whole episode on it, but um, one more technique is uh, to ask to go to the bathroom. You make the letter T which I can put the whole alphabet up, but you make the letter T and you shake it. Um, And so that is a really like shorthand way of a kid. If we're at a play date, if we're at a museum without having to walk all the way over to me if I'm mm-hmm. playing with a younger child. The older child can stand up, get my eye, do that sign, and I know exactly where he's going. I love that. And it's wonderful. And my mom, who is a second grade teacher, uses that with her second graders. So they raise yeah. their hand, they make the sign,
1: and then she doesn't have to stop teaching. Well, It's I, great. And I think that's what it's about. It's about saying, like, where, where can I make <laughs> – my life easier and the child's life easier, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's when we're talking about newborns and when we're talking about nannying. I think in general, it's about saying like how can I make my work day easier but how can I make the life easier on my child? Right. Because I think that that's what the crux of it is, is how can we both have easy days? And I think if we can just say like, yeah, this one little thing helps us, why not try it, you know? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I right. am always of the mindset – Try it, and if it doesn't work, that's great, but at least you've tried it.
0: Yeah, because kids' minds want to learn. Absolutely. So just throwing more stuff at them, Mm -hmm. never a bad thing. Of course. Um, Great. All right, we're starting to wrap up, but I do want to know, and maybe you can't answer honestly (laughs) because maybe nanny families, but what happens if a huge milestone happens on your watch because like we were talking about earlier you're with a baby yeah 40 hours a week yes so sometimes more yeah milestones are going to happen mm-hmm. especially because you're probably working with them yes more
1: um I think oh this and this one is so tough because I think parents have to sort of resign in themselves that they're going to miss some things right if if they want to be working parents and I completely agree that there are some parents who are better as working parents than stay-at-home parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but no matter what, nobody is going to be around for every single milestone. Right. And I think that if you can do your best to share that with the parents, um, I think you'll be in a good place. I remember when I was starting to nanny, technology was a very, very big no-no on the job. But right. I do find that Parents are much more appreciative of photos, mm-hmm. of videos, of little things that happen. So if you can capture the moment on a video, do it.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: and send it to the parent. Say, I know I'm, I am I, I, shouldn't have had my phone, but I, just, I needed to capture this moment for you. She just could not stop talking and, and I just wanted to capture this moment. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't mm-hmm. think a parent will scold you for having your phone and recording it at that moment. If for some reason you can't record it, I think just do your best to live it up to the parent. I think say we have this major, major exciting thing happen today and I don't think, um, or I guess I should say, I think as long as you don't play it as a, oh, you missed it. Right. I think it's all in how you interpret it. I think if you say like, oh, so exciting thing happened today, I can't wait till you get to see it in person. Yeah, Here's how it happened for me I can't wait for you to see it yourself you know um there might be a possibility that you watch the child take its first steps Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that the parent is going to enjoy watching the first steps for their first time Mm -hmm. any less right you know and you can downplay it a little bit if you want you can say like oh I think she was maybe just starting to to do it you know but I think it, she seems it, really ready, really ready. <laughs> um, but I think as long as you don't structure your story as a oh, you missed something amazing today, you know, I think if you kind of come at it more as a this really exciting thing happened and I know she's gonna do it again and you're so going to love it, you right? Know? Or if you even say, look what you know. Jennifer did today. she came, she came over to me, let's see if she can do it again, you know, whatever it might be, but just these little things where if I think it's more in how you share the story rather than the actual story itself. So I think that if you're a nanny who continues to watch your nanny child make milestones, that's fine. I think parents expect it. Right. But I think if you can bring them into it in a delicate way rather than a, "I caught this and you didn't way. Yes. I think that will help everyone feel happier about the outcome. For sure. I and I think agree. parents are excited to hear that their kids are doing exciting things whether they're there or not, you know. Yes. And I think parents know that at the end of the day, their mommy, their daddy, they're right. the number one. You know, <laughs> even if you watch their first step, the parents are going to watch them take 10,000 more. So, yes. Um I think it's just about saying like, look at this exciting thing let let's do it again. Let's see if we can recreate it. Right,
0: right. Yeah, cuz from here on in they're walking. Absolutely.
1: Oh my god. We're talking which is so scary. <laughs> yes. It, as soon as they can move you're like, "Oh no, what have I done?" <laughs> what have I done? Um, well, awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much, Brittany. Um, if you have questions because we even did two parts, almost full hours, and oh I know that we didn't cover. Scratch the surface, guys.
1: So if you yeah. are like, I need newborn 2.0 version upgraded, please send Martha your questions. I am here. I am happy to answer them. So – um Send yeah. them at us. We'd love email, to hear them.
0: Email those to ChroniclesOfNannia at gmail.com. You can also visit ChroniclesOfNannia.com, and there's an email form if you're like, wait, I can't remember what it was. Um, or you can get at us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I check all of those constantly. Um, not when I'm nannying. But of course. After hours. Um, but definitely send in those questions because Brittany's more than happy to answer. I'm more than happy to answer with my somewhat limited experience with newborns. But I would love to reach out to Brittany and find out. We also
1: see each other we on an almost weekly basis. And you know what, guys? I'll just tell you, if you have questions about um, newborns or nannying in general, I think the best advice I can give you it's just patience. Yeah, uh, learn your yourself. Learn your nanny kids. Don't be afraid to let them um, expand their wings a little bit, and I think they will always surprise you in the end. That's great
0: advice. Yeah, patience, and then communication, which you also mentioned yes. several times during these two episodes. Communication with your nanny family, patience with your kids, um, and that will that will get you really really far. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we end each episode mm-hmm. with a fun little story, yeah. and Brittany's brought one for us.
1: Well, you know what? I think being a nanny is so rewarding for so many reasons. But for one, you just you really get to know kids and get kids brought into your life um, who you maybe wouldn't have had there before. And I remember I went on vacation for ten days, Whoa. which yeah, um, in nanny world is is a huge <laughs> amount of time. I went overseas and my nanny um my sweet little girl she's had just turned 2 right before I left she had had been 2 for about 2 weeks and oh. then I went on a 10 day vacation and i remember coming back and i walked back into that house on the first monday back to work and you know when you're thinking of oh i got to go to work i got to wake up early tomorrow <laughs> but i just remember she i opened the door and she kind of ran up to me and she took my face in between her two little hands and she just kind of stared at me and she goes hi, Brittany. And I'm like, hello. And she just kind of snuggled right into me. And I'm like, okay, this is, (laughs) this is why I do what I do because of the snuggles. And because, you know, you you can tell that a a, a child missed you. That's sweet to know. That is so (laughs) sweet. How often do you guys get, you know, if you're not a nanny and listening to this, you know, how often does your boss come up to you and go, Hold, hold your face between their hands and say hello
0: um, I wouldn't want that in uh, yeah, other right? jobs exactly but so, um, also to that point how often do you really get looked at yeah. when you're not a nanny right because that child really looked at you Absolutely. and checked in with you checked and that's in. so beautiful
1: checked in and just like said like you know even even though her words are limited even Mm -hmm. though you know she's still working on her vocabulary you can you could tell like i'm happy you're back (laughs) you know which is uh which is the biggest biggest blessing of this job is to just feel at home and at ease with your kids that's so wonderful
0: well thank you for being here Brittany. this was wonderful thank you for having me and thank you all for listening we'll see you next week the Chronicles of Narnia is produced by Martha Reddick and Logan Nielsen. Artwork and logo by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Narnia and on Twitter at Narnia Podcast. To contact us, email Nania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.